From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict episode 349, and today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Away, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Brad Dowdy. It's always a pleasure to join you, Mike Hurley. How are you today? I'm very well, my man. I'm a little bit jet lagged. We'll get into why in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm rare, ready and raring to go and full of old gray tea. Um, <laughs> let's do this thing. I think we should start. Uh, We'll start today. We'll give another quick update on the Kickstarter campaign. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody that has backed the campaign so far. Last week, I spoke about two records, and we were wondering if we would beat any of them. And we have beaten one of the records quite handily right now. This is now currently the most funded campaign that we've ever had. Um, it's currently sitting at $31,650. Uh, so we've now made more money on this campaign than we did on last year's campaign. And we are right now at 600 backers. And the uh, backer, the backers that we have to beat, total backers are 720. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm intrigued if we could do that. I don't know, but uh, it's, it, I'm so, so thankful for all of the people that have backed so far. Um, we should mention, because we've already had people asking, what are you going to do with the extra money? One of the reasons we're so thankful is we have now met the amount of money we actually needed um, to do this. San Francisco is significantly more expensive as a location uh, than any of the other secondary locations we've visited before, even including New York. Uh, So we were hoping, really, we were (laughs) expecting that we might be doing some of this, uh, some of this campaign this year out of our own pocket. Uh, But we haven't needed to do that because of your incredible support. So we are now at the level in which we have all the money that we need to to get everything done the way that we want. So we'll, what will we do with any extra? I don't know yet because we haven't yet got any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can't really say like yeah. what we like we don't have any plans for anything extra. If like we come up with something like later in the campaign, it's certainly not something that's going to pop yeah. during the campaign. If we come yeah. up with some grand scheme to to do something cool, you will all um you will all know. What this tells me, Mike, about the dollar amount versus backers is that the um this was an interesting case study in backer reward levels and perceived value of things because we have more money and 100 fewer backers and everything was the same price point this year you just you know, there. I guess the perception of things uh, this year changed that a little bit. So that's just me being. Yeah. I think I think, Brad and looking at Kickstarter campaign creation. Um, I think I find what that it's interesting potentially is that more people are interested in the physical reward this year. Than yeah, because it's. Year. I think we've made it clear that this is a more value is not the right word but this is a more expensive so here's, here's product the big, here's the big thing here's the big difference maker so this year we have and we're getting real into the weeds now uh welcome welcome <laughs> to the behind the scenes discussions uh we have 33 backers right now for the videos level yeah. last year we had 131 so there's basically a right. hundred people difference um mm-hmm. we had 684 last year so mm-hmm. the the 720 was the year before that was like 2017 when we did all the stretch goals and everything which makes right. sense as we spoke about why it was the most so like we have 84 less backers right now uh but there's like 100 people difference in the lowest tier so yep. i think that's what's going on is more people want the case this year yeah um, it's a good deal we already have <laughs> like so we have 457 people that have gone all in for everything at 50 dollars, mm-hmm. right which is the case the sticker set and the videos last year we had 400 so we've already beaten right. that so that's why uh we have at the moment we have less backers 
but we've made more money is because people seem to be more interested in the physical reward and that's where yep. the, the big money comes from. So that's really interesting, yep. isn't it? It is. It is very interesting. So I'm uh I'm gonna have to wrap my brain around that further, especially uh as the the future goes for the uh the next one and the next one after that and the next mm-hmm. one after that. Because we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Heck no, we have big plans. I have big plans mm-hmm. over the next couple mm-hmm. of years of some of the places that I want to visit with this show. So Yep. We'll see about that. So on the last episode, uh we were talking about the Wancher Dream Pen. Um and you were a little bit miffed at the the finish mm-hmm. as it came like kind of around the the, the grip section i would um, say not miffed i would say questioning questioning okay you were you were quizzical then quizzical maybe. so mm-hmm. um thomas hall at penucopia uh, on instagram sent in some pictures to you of mm-hmm. some of his uh tamanuri finishes on some of his right. pens some nakayas some down trios uh, and they showed and some solid finishes too. And some solid finishes, and they show some color variation. And I was wondering, has this made you feel any different? Uh, no, it made me feel like okay, I was seeing something that mm, maybe, maybe not should be there. So he has the best picture he has. He has a solid orange Nakaya, and the finish is solid around mm-hmm. the edge of the barrel where mm-hmm. you don't see any of the underlying ebonite. So I brought this pen to Baltimore, showed it to Jonathan Brooks, and he said it's pretty clear with the type of sanding that's required for this as they hit that curvature of going around the barrel. So you can imagine you make it make an emotion, a sanding motion like that's going straight then off the edge. You're hitting it a little bit extra in that spot. So it's probably yep. just a matter of over sanding this. Because I, I think it's pretty clear when you look at these pictures that what's going on in, with your pen is not one of these special finishes, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. a different color under there or whatever. It's, it's clearly the underneath, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, like, it's fine. Like, it doesn't really bother me that much. I was more of like, is this supposed to be here or not? That's mm-hmm. what I w- wanted to figure out more than anything. And I, honestly, I think the outcome is that really it's not supposed to be there. Yeah. But it doesn't really affect the looks of the pen. It kind of, you know, lines up with everything. But yeah. Right. But as is normal, if you find something, you can't stop focusing on it. Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, it did get good reviews in. Uh, oh, yeah. At the Baltimore Pen Show, people liked it and enjoyed the color. Really pops when you see it in person. So make cool. sure you bring that thing to Atlanta. I want to see. Oh, it. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so the reason I'm jet lagged is yesterday uh, I got back from a trip to Chicago. Um, <laughs> I was just in Chicago for the weekend. Uh, I joined uh, Stephen and David on Mac Power Users. They were doing a live show there, and I wanted to go out and show my support for the guys. Uh, and then they, they, they wrote me into the episode because David Sparks, who is a recent pen addict listener, mm-hmm. has completely just gone off the deep end in the best possible <laughs> way. Um, and he, his, his messages to us are amazing. Yeah. He, he's, really, he's really in on this thing. And he did not escape being around me for a couple of days about making some orders of some stuff. <laughs> um, he is like debating and trying to work out the line for himself around analog and digital tools when it comes to his journaling. So like mm-hmm. what digital, what journal, like what, what uh, analog, like what, what are you looking for? Right. Like, and where's things, where are these things going to go? So we talk about that on episode 472 of Mac power users. If you, if you're interested in getting a little bit more about my thoughts on what 
what type of stuff, even when it comes to journals and note-taking, are best for digital and what's best for analog, which is a question that comes up quite a lot on this show. People kind of want to know our thoughts on it, so you can go find it out there. But I will say that uh, I request, I, I suggested some products to Dave, and he has since sent me some messages having received them, <laughs> and he's like, oh, now I'm rethinking everything again. So like mm. he, he was like, uh, he'd been using some, I will say, uh, Moleskine-type notebooks Moleskine mm-hmm. layout size that kind of thing and he really likes them and i recommended that he upgrade his paper to rodeo okay so good. he gets a rodeo web notebook which he now has fallen in love with yeah so, as you would right it happens that way yeah that's the way it happens right yep. because that paper's so freaking good and if you just use pretty standard stuff because he uses a lot of fountain pens um a, a lot of these Moleskine type books they're not made, really made for fountain pens. They're made for more ballpoints and rollerballs and stuff like that. Where right. Rodeo paper is so incredible with fountain pens. I was like, you should try one of these out. And he did, and he loves it. So, um, <laughs> Good. I, at one point, opened Google Maps because I had a day to myself. And I typed mm. in Anderson Pens. <laughs> As one does. Quickly quit the app. Because... I need to save for pension money because mm. I would have bought something very expensive there that I probably will buy from Anderson Pens uh, if I'm going to buy anything sailor mm. related. I'll probably buy something from them uh, in uh, Atlanta. So I was like, no, stop. Didn't do it. Yeah, because you probably would have bought the next item on our list, right? Well, you I don't know. Had, I, if they had it. If they had one of the new mosaics specifically maybe the red one that's uh seems to have caught your uh fancy right yeah yeah so i got to see it in person at baltimore i didn't even know it was there so at first someone told me that one of the non one of the like the not the vengeance sellers but one of the non-store affiliated sellers had the king of pen and brown mosaic which i know is brian's favorite um, and they were asking a lot of money for it. And I mean, I was not interested in buying it, but I still wanted to see it. And I never got a chance to go see it. And then like Saturday, someone told me that uh, our friends at Drum Ghouls had the red mosaic. I was like, oh, I actually do want to see that one. So I went down and took a look at it. And I came back to the table and there was a gentleman there talking about them. I said, well, you know, they got the red one down there. He like literally turned and walked away like mid-sentence and then came back with it like 10 minutes later. Oh, my God. It was pretty funny. It was the only one. I think it was only one or two of them were at the show. So he went and grabbed it um, and I let me take a picture of it. You know, the the picture of it is maybe a little contrasty <laughs> on my Instagram. I made it really, really bright, but it's so good looking. The material is really fancy. Um, I... It's really nice. Like, I'm not going to buy one. You know, I have no interest in buying one because mm-hmm. apparently my, my mind is on other things, as we'll find out later in the show. Um, but, man, is it not good looking? That The problem for me is you took a picture of the exact one I want. I want the red one. I like the, right. I like the, current, the color variants in the red one. We'll right. see. I, I, again, I'm probably going to end up missing it because I'm delaying. I'm like stalling on it but that's just yeah, the way we'll these see. things go sometimes yeah and i i want to talk about that real quick about the materials of the mosaic so one of my favorite pens is the green mosaic from the king of pen and it's the one color that sailor said they did not have to remake in the 1911 um and i probably would have insta bought it if they did but 
What's interesting is I found last year, and Jonathan Brooks has found this year, that you can pick up rods of this material, specifically the green and the red, um, made by Mazzuccelli in Italy. And he was carrying around both the green and the red at the show to make pins out of. I have a pin that uh, my friend Brian from Red Dragon, um, I bought a rod of the green that he made a pin for me out of the green. So you can get some other materials like the, this. I'm going to say exact material because, man, does it look close. So uh, keep your eyes peeled, Michael Hurley, for mm. these materials and pins from uh, other manufacturers as well. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see if I come across one of these in my life, but I'm uh, I'm okay with not needing to buy everything. It's worth hunting down to see to see what you think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We can probably all sit there and hold our hands up and say, look, cybercrime is something it happens to other people because who's going to want your data? Well, the bad news is stealing data from people like you and me from using public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways that hackers want to make money. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit cards can be vulnerable. But there's something that you can do to protect yourself from cybercrime. You can start using ExpressVPN. It works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, and hiding your public IP address. With easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of all of your devices, your phone, your tablet, and even your laptop as well. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, and then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. I was traveling. I was connecting to Wi-Fi a bunch over the last weekend in airports, in hotels, in coffee shops. I had ExpressVPN turned on. It just sits there silently in the background. I'm then connected and I'm all good and I don't have to worry uh, about people trying to get at my info. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash penaddict to learn more and protect your online activity today. You can find out how to get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash penaddict. That is expressvpn.com slash penaddict for three months free of a one-year package. A thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. It was a good week, good week for them to sponsor because we both just traveled. Yep. And when I showed up at the airport on Thursday morning, yeah, I sent a picture you may have seen that uh, Jonathan Brooks and I shared a flight. And we sat down at the gate. I had to get out my laptop because my accountant was having a hard time getting into the bank. Like the password was not working for her. So about the last place you want to log into a public Wi-Fi is at the airport, especially when you're logging into banking information. And Jonathan goes, don't you have that VPN thing? installed and i was like i sure do and that's exactly what i'm using where <laughs> i make me feel comfortable what to log into the bank and change a password for someone to access my bank account so yeah that was hilarious that's really good that's very mm-hmm. very good mm-hmm. uh so baltimore how was it uh, it was great yeah. i mean it was it was everything i wanted it to be it's like i was ready for a pin show i hadn't been to one this year and i've been watching all the reports come in from Philadelphia and Los Angeles so far. And I was like, oh, man, I'm ready. I've usually gone to one by now. Baltimore is usually like number two on the list. Um, and so it was a little bit later for me to get out this year. And it was just great. Like, 
it was so packed, so many friendly faces, so many people I hadn't seen either for six months or a year or more, depending on, you know, what shows we hit or miss at. And um, it just absolutely was great. Like, we had weather issues, you know. Uh, Friday wasn't bad. We woke up to about two or three inches of snow, but it was wet and it wasn't below freezing. So the roads were fine and didn't really affect anyone Friday. Sunday, I do think it affected the show attendance overall um, because it kind of snowed on and off all day and was really, really cold and windy. Um, but not a big deal. It wasn't like necessarily dangerous for people to be out, but people probably said, eh, I probably don't need to get out in this today. So Sunday was a little bit slow. Um, but overall, I mean, it was kind of like it went as you would draw it up, right? Like no complaints, like just smooth. They made it easy. You know, the um, promoter, Bert Ozer and, and Corinne, um, who was basically basically in charge. We, t- we dealt with Corinne, Corinne Barr more than, uh, more than Bert himself on any, anything that came up. And there was, you know, nothing that wasn't accounted for really. Um, no issues during the show. They made it smooth for the vendors. They made it smooth for the attendees. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, in the, in our show notes, the promoters made it an event, not necessarily a pin show, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think all of the good ones are trending that way now. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, they had things to do outside of the show floor, yeah. pretty much from open on Friday morning to close on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And like even after hours on Friday and Saturday nights. So, you know, that's what people want to see. So, you know, a lot of people, I got in Thursday afternoon, had lunch with the wonderful Jessica Coles, who's in the chat room this afternoon. So we just sat and hung out and, you know, Thursday's pretty quiet. It's mostly vendors coming in, but then you start to see people coming in for the weekend that are making a three day weekend out of the event that have traveled from different places, mostly on the East coast, some West coasters. And, um, that, you know, want to do some other things, want to have a reason to come and spend more than an afternoon at the pen show, you know, maybe spend a single night there and get to do some of the other things, get to take some classes, you know, Mm -hmm. get to take their time around the show floor instead of feeling rushed, get to maybe shop in the downtime of Friday morning, as opposed to two o'clock Saturday afternoon, you know, and it just makes their experience more fun in the way Baltimore had set it up. It, it really was that way. So it was, it was nice. It was easy. Sales were good. People yeah. were great. I mean, you know, was I, there a lot of people there? Uh, it felt like it. Like Friday was kind of steady all uh-huh. day, and Saturday was kind of steady all day. We were never overwhelmed. Like there was never like three or four people deep at most tables, sure. which was good. Like you don't want that for more than maybe like a couple minutes by accident, right? So it was. Like Saturday was consistent all day. Like there was hardly ever any downtime, but we were, there was never, never two people I was helping and two more, you know, I was waiting to get to. Right. So it just felt good and easy. Um, yeah, pretty much throughout the whole show. I felt like the crowd was good. I don't know what the numbers were from like the, the gate, but I know they said like the pre signups had exceeded far exceeded anything that they've ever had in the past. So, and it, and it felt like it just throughout the weekend. So what, how did you, I know you were doing some other stuff? Uh, you were doing like a makers panel and stuff. How did that go? 
it went really well. It's like, I didn't know to be nervous about it. So I really wasn't yeah. <laughs> it was just like one of those things. Like I'm going to do this thing. You like, moderated, right? Yeah. So I moderated. So there were uh, four makers on the panel, Mike Allen, Woodshed Pen Companies, Chet Herbert, Herbert Pen Company, Jonathan Brooks, Carolina Pen Company, and Richard Greenwald, who makes pens. And so my job was to kind of host these guys and kind of drive the conversation. So I'd ask, I'd ask them questions, kind of, you know, move around the panel, asking them a few different things and, you know, get some crowd input and questions and things like that. And Mike Madison did record it. Um, and it's up on YouTube in case you missed it and want to go check it out. But it was like, I thought about like how I was going to weave the conversation. Like I had a pretty good layout in my head. I had a pretty good idea of like the specific questions that specific makers would get, you know, they weren't, weren't all getting the same question. So I tried to kind of land in each one of their wheels, wheelhouses while also allowing them to all play off of each other. So I just worked through it a lot in my head beforehand, not knowing how it was going to go. And it pretty much went exactly how I had hoped. You know, it was fun and funny and informative and everyone left with a smile and uh, we got a lot of good feedback on it. So that's something I'd like to see at more shows, not necessarily makers, but, you know, just have as opposed to like a vintage repair class is good. How about just, we have some vintage, you know, repair people just talking about in the general of what they do, you know, how, you know, like to have Jesse talking about repairing Esther Brooks and Paul Arano about, yeah. you know, finding vintage pins and things like that. So there's a wide open, um, you know, availability now for any type of, panel you know a paper panel an ink panel like people want to know more stuff that's the one thing we learned from this is people want to know more stuff about the people in in their selling things like i like my favorite question i think like the whole time which one that wasn't one i had even written down is how many of you do this as a full-time job and all four of them raised their hands. And I think that surprised a lot of people in the room. Like this is these people's full-time job and they're committed to doing this. And, you know, I just thought it's cool to be able to bring the personalities out of these people on the panel and talk about, you know, weird and interesting things that they do. And um, I thought just thought it was cool. And you were like, Oh, I actually, I know you had the, uh, you had the spoke pen with you, right? Yeah, I had the spoke pen, and uh, that went really well, except for the part where I forgot to bring an aluminum uh, grip one. So I brought all titanium grips, and people were wanting to compare those, so that was a whoopsie on my part. But it went really, really well. Um, you know, the feedback was great. Um, people really enjoyed the magnet cap, mm. and, um, you know, it was just fun to have people give you some kind of live feedback about that there. So that was, that was really, really cool. So, um, that thing's almost, almost in the three books. Three days left. Yeah. <laughs> three days left. We cracked 80,000 like in the past couple of days, you know, we'll probably do several more thousand in these last few days. That's just how it goes. Right. Like we'll be pushing 90, I bet by the end, but I wanted to point out for those who haven't seen it or, or not even interested in this Kickstarter, but just in Kickstarter pins as, as a whole. The 
post that Brian made, the update that Brian made last night for our backers just about refills and why we made the decisions we made. My gosh, my gosh. It's spectacular. It's unbelievable, the amount of information. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very useful, actually. So, this helps answer the question of, well, why can't I do this refill? Or why won't you do this? And Brian tried to lay that out in as many as is in as detailed way as possible. Like Brian like knocked it out of the park so so far with this. The best picture is there's one towards the end when he's getting into the weeds. There's a picture of about nine refills of standard Uniball and Pentel refills on the left. And then the singular UMR one refill, which is the DX refill. And it's not just the length of that refill that matters because you can extend refills in machine pens and you can shorten refills in machine pens but the front end of the dx refill is why we're doing this that's why it can't fit in all these other pens and that's why people don't build specifically because you can't fit all these other refills well we're building something specific and this um update shows you why where why we're doing this because um it's a very specific refill and this drove all the choices we made about this pen so i thought that was a very very good post um actually it was an exceptional post um i I didn't i wasn't involved even in writing it he just said hey the draft's done go check it and i went in there and my reply to him was damnation (laughs) it was like wow (laughs) you killed this like knocked it out of the park so I was really, really happy with that. And like, I would just like to share that post just in general, like when we're talking about refills and how things um, are manufactured and made and, and things like that. So yeah, it was, it was fun to have that and get that live feedback from the show. All right. So you showed off stuff that people are going to buy, which they should by going to your Kickstarter campaign. They've got a couple of days left. So mm-hmm. this will be in the show notes. But what did you buy? so hmm (laughs) how do i preface this so the last couple of pen shows i've been to i haven't bought very many pens so this is the great um, i can see our show notes this is the greatest lead-in to what you're talking about right now this is the (laughs) best thing like oh i didn't spend any money so the mm. money I saved, I just put it all together. And well, <laughs> I think it's well. it's it's an effect of a larger symptom. Uh-huh. That I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> so in Washington at the DC Pen Show, I bought a Nakaya from a gentleman who, if you go to pen shows, you will know Rick uh, very well as one of the few people that carries Nakayas. Since then, Rick and I have stayed in touch via email. You know, if he gets something new in, he shoots me an email. And um, so that brought me to the Dallas Pen Show. And I don't, I'm sure I bought something at the Dallas Pen Show, but I don't remember what. And then it's been until since then, since I've been to another pen show. And guess who was there but my buddy Rick. And so I'm setting up Friday morning uh, at the knock table. Which has a beautiful new tablecloth. You should I'm very like excited it's, about it's the tablecloth. Very, it's very impressive. I'm just excited cloth. about a cloth that doesn't require <laughs> like basically us nailing it into the table to keep it up. So. <laughs> it's quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's like nine o'clock Friday morning, and here comes Rick uh, walking up to the table. He's like, hey, I just put out all my stuff. Got a bunch of new stuff. You should check it out. I'm like, okay, I let me finish setting up, and then I'll come over and take a look like before we open. So I started, I kept setting up for like another 15 minutes. I'm like, screw it. It, you know, uh, if something's over there that I want, it's going to be gone. But, you know, this is my rationalization, right? You know, that's what you got to do when you're going to spend that kind of money. So, um, well, you know, things are going to start vanishing from the table um, before I get a chance to take a look. So let me get first crack at it. And I found one that I liked. And I hemmed and hawed about a bunch of them. And, you know, it's an expensive purchase. And it's 9 o'clock Friday morning. And I don't want to kind of drop this money pretty much the moment you know, I walked into the pen show. So I asked him to just hold this for me. He's like, I'll buy this 100%. Like, you're not going to lose a sale on this if you hold it back behind the counter for me. Like, he knows me well enough. He's like, fine. Yeah, I'll just hold it. So what it was, I ended up buying a Nakaya portable rider in the Kuro Tamanuri finish, which Kuro Tamanuri is probably one of the most common finishes, but it's one I don't have. And it's actually the finish that turned me on to Nakaya in the first place. It's the black pen with the red undertones. And this is a beautiful example of it. Like my threads on this pen are really red. It's kind of crazy. So what made me buy it, right? Uh, yeah, I was forced into buying this pen, Mike, mm. was that it was a rhodium clip and a rhodium nib which uh, almost everything he has is gold gold nibs gold clips uh the last one i bought from him was uh gold nib because that one i was fine with because it's brown like brown and golds go good together so i saw this one it was the only one it stood out like a sore thumb on his table so i asked him to just set it aside for me and that's what i bought that was my one purchase i am in love with it um it's you know, kind of nice to just have the one big purchase. Like I'm okay with that as opposed to like, I usually n normally buy four or five pins, <laughs> you know, just cause I, I don't know, I am that way or, and, um, yeah, getting this Nakaya was, uh, I I'm using it today. I found, I actually wanted to put, well, my first in inclination was, well, this is like the most traditional, nakaya i own and i want to put blue black in it because that seems like a very traditional setup but i'm going to do everything i can to not put blue black in it because that's what you would expect me to do so i wanted i went and hunted down a red ink and i actually found one that i'm in love with it's called robert oster red candy it's more of like a dark cherry kind of red as opposed to like a bright strawberry kind of red i don't know it's hard to explain that um and it matches this pen perfectly and uh, I'm really, really happy <laughs> with this purchase. Um, and I'm happy there was not a long list of other purchases after that. Like, I didn't shop. Like, after, once I saw that pin, I never shopped, like, the entire weekend. Like, yeah. I, there was no way. That was, too, that was enough money, and I was just done. So, like, I didn't buy anything after that other than, like, this ink to put it in. And I, got, I picked up a few things to review and stuff like that, but... You know, that was it. I knew what I wanted from the beginning and I didn't buy other things later. So that made it pretty easy. But I mean, I know what pen show life is like. No matter what you buy, there's always something more you want to buy that you haven't bought. So what did you want to buy? Yeah. Didn't you buy? So probably for more than a year now, I've wanted Jonathan Brooks's primary manipulation pens, you know, like yeah. the super swirly, all the yeah, color I pens. One. I don't have, 
Yeah, I don't have one. Well, and I have a Newton pen made out of that material from Donaldson. Yes. Yeah, so that's like one of my favorite materials ever, and I don't have a pen in that yet. And the thing is, just like buying this Nakaya, if you don't buy it right out the gate Friday morning, it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had maybe six at the most, maybe only four that I saw, but like maybe six, uh, something like that. So, and like I knew they were going to be gone. Like I knew Sunday afternoon I wasn't going to get one. I didn't even bother. And of course they were, they were gone. They're just a fantastic looking material. So maybe I'll get that in Atlanta or something like that. So, um, I, I need to pick up one of those. I also got to check out the Leonardo Memento zero, yep. which spoke I'm going to eventually buy. Mm-hmm. We spoke about that. I got to, I would have bought one of those if it was the right setup, like the bright blue materials with the rhodium trim. Um, they were bought before I got a chance to look on Sunday at them. But looking at them, I confirmed that, yeah, I really want to buy one of these pens. So the materials are great. The size, feel, shape of the pens great. Um, they just look really cool. I just want to wait for a bright blue one with a rhodium trim. Okay. So I will, I will get one of those eventually. So that was kind of, those were the things that, other things that I wanted, but I wasn't just going to like keep spending money. Like it was going out of style. Um, cause one Nakaya will do that to one Nakaya. And then I went into operation shutdown after that. Hmm. So I was good with that. Like I'm, I'm really happy with that result because I got like one of the best pens I'll ever have for me. Right. Yeah. Like it's perfect me pen. So like, it doesn't get much better than like kind of adding to that, you know, as, as part of your pen collection. So super happy with that. So your pen show year has begun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feeling excited for the rest of the year, the rest of the plans for the year? If Baltimore is any indication, then yeah. So like the people at this show who really make the show, we've talked, we've say that constantly. It's like about the people. It's about the people. The people really showed up at this one. And like, it was crystal clear, um, about that when Saturday night rolled around and, Carrie from Fountain Pen Day and Kenro has his Pen Shows After Dark event, which is really just like an organized hangout is what I call it. You know, it's just like a scheduled thing and Carrie gives away door prizes, but it's really just for people to come gather around a bunch of tables, put all their pens and paper and ink out on display and everyone just kind of, you know, talk about it and learn about things and, um, you know, just kind of you know, maybe learn something or see something they've never had or try something they've never had the opportunity to. And it was packed. There was like 60 something people like in the small room and it overflowed out into the hallway. It was really good. Like it was, you know, everyone had their drinks, everyone had their food, everyone had their pens and papers out. It was super cool. And this was like after nine o'clock on Saturday night. And, you know, we finally had to get out of there about nine 30 and we all just moseyed on over to the bar and the bar was packed. So, Seeing that type of crowd on a Saturday night at a pin show was fascinating. It was just made me smile. It was really, I was really, really happy about that. So, uh, good job by Carrie putting that on and everyone that came and hung out, I think had a really good time. Well, only a few weeks away or a month, one month away now. One month away. 
Yep, our friend uh, Joe from the Gentleman Stationer, he was there working next to me at the Vanessa Pens table, so he has his review up as of this morning. So if you want to get a, a more of an idea about this show and kind of what other shows might be like this year, like Atlanta's kind of in this category, um, we'll put the link to Joe's uh, Baltimore Pen Show recap in the show notes for you to check out. All right, this episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Way, who make smart premium suitcases so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. If you're anything like us, battery. Battery is a big thing that you need when you're traveling, and when you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel. Both of their carry-ons feature USB ports of a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge, and you can pop it right out of the suitcase so you can take it around with you when you get to your destination. Go to awaytravel.com slash penaddict right now and you can browse away suitcases featuring premium German polycarbonate which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They have over 10 colors and 5 sizes to choose from. They have the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large and the kids carry-on and they cut out the middleman so you can get first class luggage at coach prices. Away suitcases have a patent pending compression system which is great if you're an overpacker along with 4 360 degree spinner wheels as well. Their carry-ons are compliant with all made US airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack and they have TSA combination locks built right in and all away cases feature a removable washable laundry bag too so you can separate your clean clothes from your warm ones when I was in Chicago Brad I was walking down the street and I saw a store window and I was like I know those suitcases there was an away store mm-hmm. in Chicago uh, and I've been wanting to buy a bigger suitcase because I have away carry-ons and I love my away carry-ons I actually have one um, they do. They they have their regular range, right? They have the German polycarbonate range, which are incredible. They're super lightweight, but then they also have aluminium ones as well, which are mm. a bit heavier. And of course, they come like you know, aluminium will dent, and that's the point, right? So like you buy these these cases, and they get a bit dinged up over time. And I have a mm-hmm. carry-on one, and I love it. So I've been thinking about getting one in a larger case. And they have this finish called I think it's called like steel, like black steel. It's like a dark color. Mm. And I went and I took a look at it, and I'm definitely going to get that pretty soon. It is beautiful. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But I will tell you, you get what you pay for. Because as well as the material, they also put in like a bunch of additional uh, features. Like the, they upgrade some of the handles and stuff like that. It's 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 a premium, like it's a part of their premium offering, but really, really amazing. I'm a big, big fan of it. So as I am of all of my Away stuff. Uh, and they believe in the quality of their products as well. So this is one of the things that I love about Away. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life on that case. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. If you go to awaytravel.com slash penaddict right now and use the code penaddict to check out, you will get $20 off any of their suitcases. That is awaytravel.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict for $20 off. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Yeah, so the large Away polycarbonate uh, suitcase is part of my Notco and penaddict packing for the shows. I have a large duffel for the soft-sided cases and then like Notco paper goods um, in the Away case, in the Away suitcase. So cool. my Away suitcase, Mike, was 59 pounds oh my on God. the way there. And it was thirty one pounds on the way back. Hey, it was like bad. a quarter. It was like about half full on the way back. It's such a huge suitcase, and yep. um, you know, in combination, the two bags I had exactly a hundred pounds on the way out, and sixty one pounds on the way back. So I sold thirty nine 
pounds worth of goods, probably more than that. Cause I had a bunch of ink that I took back that I uh, like review ink and things like that, that weighed it down too. So yeah, sold uh, over 40 pounds worth of products the, this weekend in Baltimore. So that was fun. All right. So last week we spoke about the possibility of a CW and T notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so the creators of the pen type B uh, and pen type A, and they have, in fact, since that episode, pub, like put that up. They have it on Kickstarter right now. Um, it's met its funding goal. Uh, I want to know what you think about this notebook. Or it's actually a sketchbook, really. Yeah, I think it's better probably to call it a sketchbook because after last week we talked about the Hanji paper. So we asked our friend Daryl in our Slack group who owns Masubi Notebooks and is very experienced with all types of paper, especially on the Asian market. So he explained it as a very fibrous type paper. So probably too fibrous for fountain pens or, you know, like water based inks unless they have some kind of finishing. But, you know, the paper probably doesn't. So it's going to be a great art paper you know it's probably going to work great for pencils and some other things like that so i'm zero percent concerned about the fountain pen uh compatibility of this paper i just love what cwt make and it looks like a really neat size neat style i like the binding i like that they're using like a very small studio to make it um yeah, it just it's a very CWNT product if you're familiar with them. If you're not, they're mostly like into really interesting engineering projects. That's kind of how the pen type A came about. And they do, you know, they've done some um different key rings in the past and they did this this inf- infinite clock type of project. They do they're into all kinds of things. They're just like really really creative. So, I have one of these coming after I backed it. Uh Taylor emailed me and said, "Hey, I want to send you one too for you to take a look at." So, I should have that, you know, later this week. I think it's already cool. shipped out. So, I'll be able to give some feedback about it. So, I'm just looking forward to it because I'm a CWNT fanboy. Like there's no two ways about it. <laughs> we'll just be very clear about that. And uh yeah, I can't wait. So, kind of some of the details uh it's it's a smaller book right like it's have they given it a standard size or is it kind of it's but it's it's small right like it's i don't yeah, know it looks small. around a five ish yeah i think they referenced like a five a six kinda. a six it's a six so is it a six 4.1 okay. by 5.8 inches yeah there you go it's uh, 142 pages and they're selling it for 20 dollars. The, pa- the paper is plain um, the spine is exposed and it lays flat. They're kind of like the big mm-hmm. deets of the of the yep. of the notebook. Um, and oh, it's all uh, bound by hand in Korea by a husband and wife bindery team, which is nice. Yeah. So this is like that description. Like I don't need to like see or know or. <laughs> I don't know, need to know too much as long as it's not like $150 or something. It's like, I'm in. You're like, they hit all my, hit all my buzzwords and uh, of all the things that, you know, I want in a Kickstarter project that I'm, that I'm going to back. So speaking of which, and before we move on, maybe we'll talk about it next week. The two, two pin we talked about last week, you know, the little mm-hmm. bitty, uh, double D one refill pin. Uh, I got it. So it showed up oh. yesterday. I got the sample. Um, <laughs> he was very nice. And we'll go, th- well, like I said, we'll go through it next week. I want some so time to play with it. He, he tweeted about the show, right? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, Brad Downey. Yes. He also Brad Downeyed me. That's it was amazing. Best. I was so excited. Uh, so oh, my God. The, the creator, Mario uh, Shimodaira, uh, he tweeted about, been, about the fact that we spoke about it on the show, which was so nice. He seemed really excited about it. Uh, but he called Brad, Brad Downey, which is 
my favorite thing. Um, it's, it's, I love it when that happens. That's a 2017 DC pen show joke yep. that will live in infamy. It's it's a brilliant um, joke slash not joke. He was, mm-hmm. That's just how it came out. So yeah, it's perfect. So he sent me like a one-of-a-kind material one. I'm like, great. <laughs> He's really buttered me up. So I got to say, I'm pretty happy with it so far. But give me time next week. We will get through uh, a little little quick review of that on next week's show. How about I'm looking that? forward to that, actually, because I want to I wanna know what you think about that pen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's super cool. Yeah, and he included Jetstream D1 refills in it. So that was genius. It's buttering you up. Mm-hmm. So it works. That's it. That's, that's all you got to do to get to Downey. Send them jet streams. Uh, let's right. do some RSTPA. Um, we got we got a good selection of RSTPA questions this week. Uh, the first one comes from Jeff Liu. What pen do you use to sign the back of credit cards? Everything I've tried so far rubs off after a while. If I never use a Sharpie ultra-fine marker for anything else, I will use it to sign the back of the credit cards. I will buy one specifically if I do not have one to sign the backs of credit cards. That is the one and only singular pen I use to sign the back of credit cards. Do you have a pen like that, Mike? No, man. Yeah, it's not important it's, here. It's a permanent marker. It. It's no one's fine. checking it. Right. right? So, Y'all are way more advanced than us mine is completely rubbed off but then again like i just spent a weekend in america with this card and nobody questioned it so no one's sure. actually checking it do you have any idea what you actually used oh it probably would have been some kind of biro because biro yeah. does a decent enough job yeah yeah but it'll rub off eventually yeah yeah just like you're saying you'd think so. that like sign pen you know the sign pens like <laughs> You would yeah, use those. But they're just they're just liquidy. They're, none of those are permanent. But yeah. it's fun though because they're called sign pens. So in my mind, it's like oh, well, anything you sign with them, sign right. forever. But that's not how it works. This, we need a uh, diamine document ink sign pen. That's what we need. Mm, that okay. would be good. Very get some permanence in there. Although it's still be liquidy. Somebody needs to get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke AAR wants to know uh, what kept the spoke mechanical pencil out of your top five pens list? Time. Like I very rarely, you know, on occasion, I'll just drop them in immediately. But it was, I got it about a month or two after the top five list came out. So I'm not just going to up and, and jam it in there. I can assure you it will be in there next time. It probably won't be number one because of the cost. This is in the mechanical I, pencil category, but, I assume. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But in, you know, the Rotring 600, it's number one and it's a $33 pen pencil. So, but um, actually that list could probably be used a little further updating this year because I've used some more mechanical pencils. Like I'm probably going to have to put the Pentel Sharp Carry in there ahead of like the Zebra Delgard. So the Sharp Carry is a, a pencil that I love that doesn't get enough respect. And I talk about it every, any opportunity I can. Um, the spoke pencil, um, I don't know if it, does it go in there? Does it goes in the machine category? You know, it's a little bit of an outlier because it uses the Pentel sharp barrel, but it's such an advanced barrel, you know, maybe it goes in there. Um, so yeah, I, I've been, uh, dabbling more in the mechanical pencils as I've been going through my, my frustrating mechanical pencil lead test. I want, I want a magic, uh, graphite stick in one of these pencils mike and i haven't found it yet so uh yeah it's um 
it's a good list. I, I love mechanical pencils. That's a long time fascination of mine, especially drafting style pencils, which as you'll probably see in this list, it's uh, dominated by. You know, talking about that, actually, I saw on Instagram uh, that the CW Pencil Box subscription mm-hmm. is back available again. Yeah. Uh, because I remember the last time we spoke about it, they were like super, super mm-hmm. sold out. Um, yeah. It's available again. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'll put a sh- link in the show notes just just in case people missed it because I know we had a lot of Penite listeners that really wanted to get in on that and couldn't, but it looks yeah. like it's available again. Yeah, I got in on day one. My latest box arrived yesterday or two days ago, and I have not opened it yet because, Mike, I'm getting on the Twitch machine this week, and we're going to open it up. So look uh, for a Twitch stream tomorrow. Twitch.tv so. slash penaddict, right? Yep. Yep. We'll probably start a late morning lunchtime stream or early afternoon. So I'll, you know, I'll send out you details tomorrow. You literally just unbox things, and people would just tune in forever, right? Like that's no doubt. The real, that's the real money right there. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like I save the stuff that I get um and and just try to talk about it. Like I'm gonna bring some of the inks that I have for samples from the from the pin show and look at all that stuff. So there's just all kind of endless things to talk about on Twitch. Uh Kitchen Penguin asks, uh pen shows, they're not like fan con- conventions or professional conventions or even craft shows. So I'm not sure if it would be bad etiquette or people would find it weird if I brought homemade treats to share. Can you help? I instantly responded to this question when it came in on Twitter because I wanted to make sure there was time for Kitchen Penguin to know that it is more than acceptable to bring in homemade treats to share. In fact, it's a running joke with me and Lisa Van S um, because when we were start first started doing pin shows together, people would bring me specifically food and treats and candies and cookies and not her. <laughs> so she would get so mad at me That's and funny. I'd I'd get like, I'd get like three things in an hour. I was like, Lisa, do you want any, do you want any of this? And she just give me like this, you know, eat dirt look. So it's funny. Oh, we appreciate this so much. And I'm glad I replied to kitchen penguin because she gave me the big time hookup at the show mike oh yeah so I, oh yeah i got scones i got cookies i got all kinds of stuff she is actually um i sent you the monkey brains picture oh um, yeah yeah t- t-shirt she's who hooked us up with some amazing oh, food awesome. and if you see a bunch if you see a bunch of cookies and food on the tables and the pin shows after dark uh stuff that was her too so she really hooked everybody up so um there's a lot of great bakers and um on, on the pin show circuit. So we're, we're very spoiled by all the lovely gifts that everyone brings us, especially uh, food is always, always uh, a pleasing sight. All right. We have a bunch more RSTPA today, but we want to thank our final sponsor for this episode, and that is Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project or event. We have a unique domain name available to you to just pick up on Squarespace, the ability to take award-winning templates and turn them into your own, and so much more. They are the all-in-one platform that will let you take your idea and put it online. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade with Squarespace. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. No matter what type of website you want to make, they have the functionality right there. If you want to sell stuff, you can do it. If you want to write stuff, super easy to do. If you just want to be able to show off some of your beautiful artwork, Squarespace is a wonderful home for you to have online. 
as I mentioned before, you can register domain names for Squarespace. You can just do it all right there. Um, so you can have everything in one place if you want it. And their templates, they're all so beautiful. They will allow you to show off your ideas. But they also come with page structure. So you can enable a template like for a specific event. And they create the page structure for you, and which can help you uh, remember what you might need to put on a website for such a thing. So that's been super useful to me in the past. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial today with no credit card required. Required by going to squarespace.com slash penaddict. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code penaddict to get 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict to get 10% of your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Quick Squarespace shout out. It's been a very timely <laughs> sponsor. Um, uh, sponsors for this episode, Mike, because I've used special features of all these all these sponsors um, during this past week. And with Squarespace on the Notco website, I can put up a banner that says, "Hey, I'm at the Baltimore Pin Show this weekend. All of your shipping will happen when I return on March the fifth. So it's nice to just be able to toss that banner banner up on your shop. Like if you're going to be away for vacation, you know, when we're like I'm the only one, you know, sending shipping out packages. And when Jeff was the only one sending out packages, if he wasn't available, you know, we put the banner up. So it just gives people a little heads up that we're going to be a few days later than normal shipping. So I thought that was pretty neat. That is cool. See. Mm-hmm. Can do everything. We do it. At Pentacles asks, have you ever had an experience with buying a pen and it not being great for you, but being the perfect fit for someone else you know? I mean, I love the Pentel Inner Gel, but it's not for me, but it's perfect for my wife. <laughs> That's the only one that comes to mind. Like, I don't know that I've ever bought an expensive pen that says, boy, this is really not for me, but, you know, Mike would like it or, you know, someone else would like it that I can yeah. think of. There's nothing like stands out because. As you, the more money you spend, the more diligent you are that you're buying something that really fits for you, um, because you don't want that money to go to waste. But like, for some reason, the Pentel Energels really stands out for me. I never ever use that pen. At the same time, it's an exceptional pen, and it's my wife's favorite pen. So, you know, I don't know that that's really the answer you were going for, but that's actually kind of a thing that happens. You know, it's like I said, it's going to be hard to you know find that as as you go up up the price scale because i think a lot of people are just going to be really really safe with that yeah i i don't really have any examples of this because Mm -hmm. i'm at the point now where i might find stuff that is for me and works for somebody else you know like there's pens that like i will buy for adina or i will give to her or whatever but they're also stuff that i liked it's very rare that i buy something i'm like oh i don't like this but i know somebody that will I can't yep. think of something like that for a while. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Inky Side asks, "What advice do you have for someone who has been thinking about starting a blog and/or a podcast about stationery?" So, a couple of things, actually, several things. But first, I just like to give a shout out to these last two Twitter handles: the pen-related puns, pentacles, pentacles and the Inky and Side. The inky side. With yeah, a P? really great job. Yeah, really mm-hmm. great job by y'all with the names. So. Advice. So I think my main advice is it's okay to have opinions 
and it's okay for your personality to come out. It's not just okay. Yeah. It's what should be happening. It's what should be happening. Like less specs, more stories is what I enjoy. And, you know, I've kind of changed my writing style over the years um, to be more story based. And it's not not 100% of the time, but it's more often than not. Um, let me tell you, you know, the usage of this pen as opposed to, you know, the weight and length and diameter of this pen, right? So I feel like that's an enjoyable read. I also feel like you should have some type of schedule, not necessarily published, but if you're once a week or once a month, people want to have an expectation that you didn't up and vanish just when it's actually just really your schedule. And also that bit and or building in some level of accountability to yourself to make sure that if you're going to start something, you stick with it. Right. And then also don't apologize every blog post for not posting last week. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. And also (laughs) don't write write. a blog post about stopping either. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't do it. Just do or don't. It's okay. We know, know this because we've all made these mistakes. Well, we all have lives, right? Life, yeah. life happens. It's okay. Yeah. Just write your blog post. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Just, just people are there for the content, not for the apology that you didn't write last week. Like, just, yep. just get it. But, but at the same time, if that keeps happening to you, then you need to reassess some stuff, right? Like, if you yes. keep missing your schedule, then reassess the schedule. But you, you should have something you stick to so you stay consistent because consistency is gives you. So, like, there is an often used piece of advice. Right, which is, oh, I want to be, I want to be successful. Like, how do I be successful? And people say, keep showing up. And like, it's one of the worst pieces of advice um, on the face of it because it's just like, mm-hmm. well, like I just keep doing this. Like, how does that make me successful? Well, one mm-hmm. of the things is you you practice more, and when you practice more, because you keep showing up every week or every two weeks or whatever, you will get better. And then by getting better, you're more likely that when somebody discovers your work, that they'll stick around. That's mm-hmm. what I think that, that that piece of advice is actually getting to. It's not mm-hmm. that just random thing of like, oh, if you just keep working on something that you'll find success, is you'll get better at it. So then you're more likely to be successful because you're more likely to have somebody find you. So yep. yes, keep showing up and also find the thing that makes you different. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, but there has to be something that makes you different to everybody else. So you'll spin on things, you'll take on things. The way that you write it, the type of personality you bring to it. Maybe you have a particular point of view or a particular thing that you care about that other people don't. Um, focus on that stuff. Yep. And if you have more specific questions, DM me, DM me or email me. Glad to help. Always glad to help. At Pastoral Urbanet asks, uh, how much more than the cost of a pen can you spend on nib work? I'm considering an architect grind on a pen I already own, but after reading your article on uh, Architect vs. Stub, I wondered, is it strange to spend $60 grinding a nib for a $40 pen? Follow up, what is your favorite aesthetic match for a pen with an architect grind? I think the design of the Caran d'Ache A49 would fit very nicely. This is a dang good question, Mm -hmm. Mike. I would rec- I would actually agree with the Karen Dash. It feels like a very architecty pen. Um, I think anything that is or looks like it was made in Switzerland for some reason uh, fits with an architect grind for me. I don't know why, but yeah, I've had several architects show me their their Rotring fountain pens with ar- architect grinds on them. Like that's like the perfect match. I don't know. I would think a, a Lamy two thousand might could pull that off a little Ooh, bit better yeah. than eight forty nine. That would that's obviously something that's intriguing me. Um, 
uh, something I want to think about. That seems like the proper fit for that uh, that type of nib. But for the original question, I want to say it depends, but I think it's actually probably a mistake to spend that type of money on a lower end pen, except if you're absolutely dead set in love with the pen. Like I could see like one of the pens that doesn't get like much play um, because it's at a weird price point is the pilot prayer. Like I could see like something like the pilot prayer, which is around a $40 pen. It's so enjoyable to write with to spend the money to get a nib because I enjoy it that much. Like I could see doing that. I think the issue is, is when you start thinking about, well, what's comes next and am I going to want that nib in another pen, you know? So, you know, if you get, if you're spending it on a Yovo nib pen, well, you can switch that nib into a different pen. So that's maybe an option, but yeah, like it's, it's really hard to answer. I don't, if you're like totally in love with the pen, like the Twisby Eco, and you want to put an architect grind on it, I say go for it. Like if you really use, if you're really going to use the pen, then the price doesn't matter. But I'll just wonder if a year from now you'll still be satisfied and you don't want it on something else. I don't know. Like it's a super hard question for me to answer. I agree with you basically in all of it. Like you have to, for whatever reason, really feel like this is the pen that you want to do it on if you're going to start spending more money than the pen Mm -hmm. is worth. Yeah. And it's a good way to test it. Like Sarah mentions, like you still, you don't have a huge risk. Like if you have a very proprietary nib or something that's not easily swappable. Yeah. Maybe um, try doing it on a a pen where you could swap the nib into something more expensive Mm -hmm. down the line could be a way, a reason to do it Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, yeah, because you know, then the nib may not have been worth a lot going into it, but is now worth mm-hmm. more, kind of in cost and in um, ability afterwards. I don't know. Yeah, like I could totally see myself doing it in a Twisby Eco or a Pilot Prayer. For some reason, those are the two that come into mind. But I could also use those nibs in other Twisbys or other Pilots if I were so inclined. So and then that that makes it a little bit more intriguing at that point. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that could be a good reason. So yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a really good question. So I I do like having nibs that I can move around that have been that have been customized. And our final question comes from Daniel, and Daniel wants to know: I've been thinking about how to make first timers feel welcome at the Atlanta show. What do you think about having an AMA or a first time friendly badge that vendors could hang at their tables to let first timers know that they are welcome to hang out and ask questions of any sort? That's such a great idea. He mm-hmm. asked this like right when I logged in the chat room today. And I think we've this has come up a few times before. Like, should we have a little placard at the table for people <laughs> who are uh, open to accepting like any questions at all, not just like your specific product questions? And of course, I always am. And I always tell people to come find me. And in Baltimore, they did. Like, I got emails saying, hey, I'm coming to my first show. Do you know where you're at so I can come, like, find you and you can tell me what to do? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And, you know, I had several people that was their first show that I helped kind of guide them a little bit. So, yeah, having that, I think probably like a badge as opposed to like a table thing, I you, you run a little bit of risk of alienating people. 
like doing it like super publicly, but that's kind of why you want to do it in the first place. So it's a little bit of a weird spot, but I think it's more beneficial than detrimental. And I would be all about it. And I know like a lot of, um, like the Baltimore and DC area people, they wear some big, hello, my name is badges. And, you know, like, you know, if you see them, they're like, you know, super open and friendly and, um, you know, open asking and answering any questions that you may have. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a great idea. I, yeah, I would think maybe like a little button or a little, little table stand to say, Hey, ask me anything is a, uh, is a great idea. So just have to figure out how to execute that. All right. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 349. You can find Brad. He's at twitch.tv slash penaddict, penaddict.com. He's penaddict on Instagram, dowdyism on Twitter. I am I Mike, I-M-Y-K-E on Instagram. You should follow me there. Uh, this show is a part of Relay FM. We have many shows here at Relay FM. You go to relay.fm slash shows and you can find out more about those. Uh, thanks to Squarespace, Away, and ExpressVPN for their support of this week's episode. And we'll be back next week for episode 350. Until then, say goodbye, Brad Dowdy. Goodbye, Brad Dowdy. <laughs>